Hello and welcome to the SRF podcast with me, Ollie Ballinger. And me, Ben Williamson. And more excitingly, this is the start of season two. Ben, can you believe it, mate? How many have we done? 11, 10, 12, maybe? 12. Uh, not paid too much attention to this. Oh, my bad. Yeah, it's been good, isn't it? Yeah, it's been really interesting. The start of season two. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it's been different. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Yeah, it's been interesting how uh, the different roles have brought different experiences. And not just refereeing. Sure, but all for the love of sport. Yeah, all for, all for the love of sport. Now, we've got something to ask you, listeners and our audience. wondered if you could do us a, a small favour and if you could hit that magic subscribe button and help us grow our channel, it will give us the opportunity to continue our journey in sharing sports officiating experiences from stakeholders across sport. And soon, we'll hit our million followers. <laughs> that we will, my friend. That we will. <laughs> now, enough about us. We are absolutely delighted to welcome our next guest, Ellie Hoppy. Now, Ellie is an experienced sports administrator and has had the luxury of managing a number of different sports across a number of different institutions, particularly in the higher education space in universities. Ellie, welcome. welcome. Hello, thanks hey, for having me. Right? <laughs> yeah, worth the drive. Yeah, how long is it? <laughs> it was two hours, 10 minutes. Two hours, 10 minutes. Yes, yeah, I know, it was really worth it. <laughs> we'll get you one of these uh, colourful hoodies. Yes, please, I want that colour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. Like, I'm going to start now already. <laughs> Teal is the colour. So, Ellie, why don't you tell uh, our audience what it is that um, a sports administrator looks like in higher education? Yeah, so it's it's very varied. I mean, as yeah, as mentioned, I I I went to Loughborough University myself, and then graduated during COVID, so that was a bit rubbish. But then my first uh, full time role was back in higher education, so that was at Regent University in Central London, um, and so my sort of administrator role there, um, which obviously involved lots of referee bookings, things like that, um, was different to then when I moved on to go to Surrey University because it, it was a smaller institution. So um, that had its complications in itself, just being smaller, but obviously there were less sports to, to deal with. Um, and then, yeah, moved on to Surrey University and that was a lot of, a, you know, a bigger program. So uh, that, yeah, that had its challenges with trying to make sure you find referees every week, trying to make sure, you know, transport bookings are in place, um, pitch bookings are in place. Um, so yeah, anyone who listening who has done a Bucks IA role will know the stress <laughs> that comes with it, but um, it can be very rewarding when it obviously all pans out. It's all gonna work, right? I yeah. think another, something else we spoke to recently said that your job is best when nobody knows that you're about, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, because if you're there, yeah. But the problem is on a Bucks Wednesday, obviously when all the sport happens in higher education, um, I'm there like on the main desk at the front, so there's actually no hiding. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, if a referee doesn't turn up, even if you've done all your planning, um, you'll have a whole, you know, netball team coming at you at the front referee, desk. We're always there, aren't we? We always turn up when we say we're going to turn up. <laughs> so Loughborough University, did you go to study sports and business admin or did you do something completely different? So I... Funny enough, I started doing sports science with English. Um, yeah, because at school I was, I quite liked writing and like creative stuff, but I've always loved sport. Um, and my dad, being a classic dad, was like, don't just study sport, you won't get a job in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, let me try some English. But I remember the first couple of lectures, they started talking about Shakespeare, and I was just like, this is so boring. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> this is so boring. So, yeah, I sort of ran to the head of sports science um, at Loughborough, and I was like, please, like, are there any spaces left on the straight sports science course? And luckily he was like, there, there are. Um, 
so yeah, then I studied sport and exercise science uh, with a placement year at Loughborough. So that was a, yeah, three years with a placement year, so four years. Did you choose Loughborough because of the sporting background at Loughborough? Yeah, well, actually, I need to say that. To be honest with you, I had no clue if I wanted to go to university or not. And I'm sure lots of people can relate. When you're at school, you're kind of just like, I have no idea what I want to do, but I knew I wanted to move out, meet new people. Um, so I went to visit a few universities, always knew I liked sport, but that wasn't like set on it. Um, I wanted to be, yeah, be a presenter. So I was kind of like, oh, do I do media studies or something like that? But I went to Loughborough and honestly, the, th- the thing which drew me in was I really like the trees on the campus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love the countryside. Uh, you love it. Hang on, did she say she liked the trees? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Honestly, okay. I remember just walking around the campus and being like, this is so pretty. There's like trees, there's like fields. And because of it's obviously Leicestershire, there's just lots of space. And coming from London, I was just like, okay. yeah. And obviously, the sports facilities are amazing. Knew I love sport. Um, but the grades requirements were really high. But luckily, yeah. um, I got an A star in photography. And oh, that allowed cool. me to get onto the course. So, so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was me at uni. Mm-hmm. Did you ever consider uni? No, I did an apprenticeship in um, cabinet oh, making. I did, yeah. So oh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite handy with my hands when it comes to wood oh, no. and making a bit of furniture. You put a shelf up for me once, the nail's still hanging out. <laughs> it's probably a screw, it's not even a nail, is it? It's a screw. Maybe I used it as part of my uh, apprenticeship. Maybe. Right, thanks, <laughs> Getting back to the sport, right? So what, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is what your perspective looks like on managing all the different sports because like from mm-hmm. our point of view every sport is different mm-hmm. but every sport has a consistent theme across yeah. it like where, where does that sit with you and from an, an IA I'd say yeah like different sports also have different cultures and things mm-hmm. that work so rugby is very set in and I guess it's a health and safety thing you have to go through uh, I think it's called who's the ref Um, yeah you've heard of it so they were very set on like you must book referees through this or even though I had like a contact list you had to go through that so that had its challenges because I obviously was using yes ref and we were utilizing that to pay all the referees find referees um and the rugby were like no you must do it this way so that sort of had that its challenges there um the other sports actually have been pretty on board with Yes, ref. Okay. Um, which was really nice for me because obviously we just pay them all through the platform and that's bish bash bosh done. Um, but yeah, it it was a struggle initially. I think when I first met Ben or spoke to Ben when I was working at Regents, it people didn't know the name. Mm-hmm. But I think now that your company's obviously grown, more people have heard of it that you're it's not just a, a, a dodgy scam. Whereas like I think initially I had a few netball umpires actually and I'd booked them in and, you know, they'd, they'd done their umpiring and they were like, oh, how do I get paid? And I was like, oh, you just need to set up this account on YesRef. And they were like, what's that? And I was like, it's just literally, it's like a bank transfer. I will put the money straight into a bank account. And she was like, no, you're trying to scam me. And I was like, I literally... No, just want to give you some money if that's okay. I think, um, yeah, there were challenges initially, but once people sort of realise it's very easy to use, then it started to work. Basketball were great. I had great um, feedback from basketball umpires. They were very chilled, laid back because um, we had issues at Surrey particularly where the payment structure was very slow, very laboured, and we were constantly losing referees because, you know, they weren't getting paid on time. So, um, yeah, initially had its challenges, but 
the, the longer I worked in it, the, the better it became across all sports. It's really interesting. Like, so, you know, naturally we're a bit biased on, on the SRF, but what I'm interested to understand is like, what are your problems or what were your problems pre-SRF? Because like, this is the one of the things I think, you know, I don't, I think people don't realise mm. like those challenges. Okay, we've got a bit of technology that can help us do that. Yeah. But like, what were those problems? Oh, the biggest problems were probably reliability on okay. referees. What is that actually turning up? Yeah, actually turning up and committing was difficult. Um, what well, from my end? I mean, they're like trying to get hold of the referee, confirming it, getting bank details. Are yeah. you definitely coming? Oh, you yeah. need to speak to this. He's the captain or she's the captain when you yeah. get here. Communications were always difficult. And obviously there's a lot of people involved within the communication streams from both ends. So sometimes at Regents, particularly booking a football referee, I had to go through a company and they then had to contact the referees, wait for the referees. And it was just too many people involved. Um, I'm just someone that's like, pick up the phone. Look, can you do this date? Great. Yeah. See you then. I'm holding you to it. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that was a difficulty. Um, and then another thing was standard. Sometimes of referees. Sometimes you know because I'm I've got a million sports to look after. I don't know every referee that's coming. Um, and so I'd have complaints in both the institutions I've worked at um, with regards to standard of referees. But for me, the most important thing is like a administrator is that they're reliable. They turn up on time. That's maybe bad to admit, but I didn't care as much if they weren't as good of a referee as long as they turned up on time. So we'd have, you know, I used to have the football team at Surrey come up to me and be like, oh my God, you've got so-and-so again. He's so biased. And I'd just be like, I don't care. He turns up, sorry, sort of. So <laughs> yeah, they were probably my biggest challenges, I'd say. And I think you touched on a really important point there. I think sport needs those reliable referees mm. to turn up week in, week out. And I think we need to put a referee, an umpire, a sports official on a game first. Mm. And I think we need to solve that problem before we worry about standards in some respects. Because there's an element of, we're talking about grassroots sports here. Yeah. Okay, we have Bucks Prem, which mm. might That's require different. a different level of sports official. Yeah. But let's um, encourage those referees to want to turn up. Mm. And if you give them that successful experience of, there was a friendly person at the desk to greet me. Mm. I got directed to my changing room. Yeah. And I got paid in a swift time frame. Yeah. Like, I think that will help encourage people. Yeah. And they're going to want to work harder as well. You know, naturally, I think if you're a lazy institution that's not paying people on time, an organisation that's just not good, the ref's going to turn up and be annoyed. Whereas if they're, you know, turning up and they know they're going to be paid on time, they're being treated well, they're going to ring their best game as well. So I think that's... I think that's really important to remember for like for referees as well. Like, it's it's a challenge, whoever it is, whether you're the referee and you've got your own commitments to get to the game, you're the sports institution that's trying to book for a referee. It's such a challenge. And we probably don't enough understand each other's roles mm -hmm. to go, yeah, fine, I said I'd be there. Letting them down on the morning of the game is actually yeah. really rubbish. Yeah. And for a referee, it's really easy to go, well, I just can't make it not my problem mm. but actually the knock-on effect for that and especially in university sports because there's certain rules that you don't have a qualified referee oh, yeah. at a certain time you've got to let the other team you know there might be a walkover yeah and that actually the knock-on effect for that is horrendous so referees if you're, you're listening and you're doing university sport turn up yeah. or if you can't let them know really early would yes. be really helpful mm -hmm. um, and that's a little thing that we could probably do better as referees uh, or sports officials across every sport just communicate better. It shouldn't be that difficult as soon as you know you can't do it. Or don't take the game if you don't think you can do it.
yeah, yeah. Maybe would... take it last minute if it's still available mm-hmm. because that'll be better than dropping out, right? Is that is that yeah, fair? Right, that's one of Ben's top tips for season two. <laughs> and ultimately, you know, there will be exceptions to the rule, right? It's just we want to eliminate those as best we can. But the other thing I think that's really interesting is there's probably a lack of understanding around the opportunities available to officiate university sport. Mm. So I think if you talk about your experience, you've probably not been around universities. No, and I didn't know it existed. No, and it's like, you know, maybe that's the geographical situation, but I still think there's more that can be done to promote that there are so many opportunities. Oh, my God. You could... So I have one guy for our football rep and he is very reliable, comes every week. He, I, I you know, we were paying us, am I allowed to say how much we were paying? So we were paying £40 a game um, at Surrey. Um, it was more Regents because it was central London. But, you know, he would do sometimes two, three games for us a week. That's a good bit of income. Like, do you know what I mean? And university sport needs to happen. It's a, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like um a promise that universities have to make to students is to offer sport and yeah I think more people need to know that a bu- what a Bucks Wednesday is yeah, because yeah. it happens every week and universities ha- literally have budgets to pay people. A question on that then if we agree universities have to offer sport great I think that's a really good idea why is it all played on Wednesday at two o'clock when <laughs> most the vast number of referees don't referee Wednesdays at two o'clock because yeah. the two don't really make too much sense. I know. And then, good. if we were going to do it and go, that we are going to do it. Do you think four pounds is enough to entice referees to have the afternoon off work or yeah. try and do something different to come and officiate? Maybe, yeah, good question. I mean, I think so. The reason that university sport is a Wednesday afternoon is it sort of links as well with the private school sector. Everyone does games and features on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, I think it's just essentially where every institution knows that do not put lectures on on a Wednesday afternoon. It's just clean and simple, it's Wednesday. Yeah, and it, and it works for the students because, you know, they get, they can plan their week around that as well. So obviously it's it's more important to make sure there's an actual team ready to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've just got to hope that John, who's retired, isn't working on a Wednesday afternoon. But that brings up a, an important topic in the sense that, well, actually, you could have amazing referees that would love to do university sport, but if can't do Wednesday, yeah, yeah. So that's maybe where you've got to be flexible in understanding, and that's where it's, it was difficult in my role because I tried to be as much as it was very frustrating. I took the brunt of all the complaints if a referee wasn't there. Yeah, it was kind of like I then didn't ever want to shout at the referee because I'm like, look, I understand like you're not going to stop your full time job or like get told off by your manager to creep off to a you know yeah, sort of thing like that. that yeah so so yeah, i think i think sport will always be on a wednesday afternoon that's going to be the issue with that what would you say was your biggest challenge oh in my bucks ia role yeah hmm biggest challenge do you know what biggest challenge is that i couldn't please everyone and i'm quite a people pleaser by nature and i, okay. I quite like to um make sure that everyone's happy and do a good job yeah but you just you just couldn't and i think that's what that's what ultimately brought me to my decision to not go back into it again. And hence why I'm not working there now. It's just, I just didn't want to, yeah, I, I just found it really hard to sort of, you know, one referee couldn't turn up because their child was ill or something. I'm like, oh, fair enough. Like, that's really annoying, but fair enough. And then the team comes to me and they're like, oh my God, Ellie, we can't play our game. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. I understand. And and so that was probably my biggest challenge was, okay. yeah, being able to just not please everyone. I try- 
pitch bookings similarly, or is it just referees? Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, I, I mean that was a whole nightmare in itself. Like you know, because again, you cannot please everyone. You'd have the budget holders shouting at us because we've spent X, Y, Z on a coach to take a team down to Portsmouth, but then you're like, the students are shouting at me because they haven't got the money to pay for petrol to get that. And then, so yeah, it's just such a nightmare role. And I think if anyone's listening to this and yeah, does the Bucks IA role, um, I want them to know that they're not alone in feeling like you just can't please everyone and it's a really hard role and it's underpaid for what you have to go through, like rent, like university-wide. You know, I'm, I'm quite open about my finances and I would openly talk about what I am. And then the other people would, after they heard me say what I am, they were like, oh, I'm also only on like, low 20s case or mid 20s like can you believe it and it's like yeah this is what sort of it's about so if I can try and change that as well that it's paid that role is paid a bit more then that would be a good legacy that I would leave. Do you think the role is respected by the university? No not at all I do I mean look I'm saying this like my old manager might listen to this and be like I did respect you but like I think it's just a culture culture thing that it's like generally young graduates do the role so they'll come out of uni don't have much experience don't really know what the role entails um and so it's a young person doing it and I think just in businesses in general young people are taking a little bit advantage of aren't they so I just think yeah I, I don't think it's well respected by so how can that be changed so to the manager of the IA that's listening, how what advice because you're not in the role at the moment mm -hmm. I think it's fair um what advice would you give to go like we need to love yeah. this role a little bit more. We need to look after it. What, what, I would what, say, obviously, relationship with manager. Like, I think if your manager has done the role themselves, I think that's that's good. And you know that they're going to have your back because they fully appreciate how it feels. Mm -hmm. um, both my managers, my previous roles, hadn't actually done the Bucks IA job. Like, they knew about it, but they hadn't actually done it. So I think they didn't have that like core understanding of really how stressful it can be. Mm -hmm. um, and then just if something goes wrong, maybe just support them and always have the IAs back and be like, unless they've obviously the IAs done something completely wrong, fair enough. But like if they've tried their best, then just be the yeah, understanding and maybe take the brunt of the complaints a bit more because the IA is getting paid X amount less than the management. Well, actually if the complaints are coming in, maybe the management need to take the brunt yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you think there's anything that can be done to improve improve the role if you talk about its operational delivery, whether that be through technology or whether that be through process? Yeah, I mean, obviously your company, one example, that's helped me massively in the roles that I've had with regards to finances. Um, Bucks play in itself. I mean, this is like a conversation with Bucks. They're aware, lots of things have been said to Bucks about maybe the, and Bucks play has got better with time when I was at university it was rubbish um but it has got a bit better but maybe the systems on there a bit more efficient like for example cup so you've got obviously like weekly leagues and then you've got cup weeks from my understanding at the minute is the cup weeks weren't on Bucks play on the fixture lists initially so you're planning your fixtures for the year we'd have all our fixtures and I'd be there like plugging it away but then the cup cups weren't initially on it then it would throw me off because I hadn't booked a cup week because a cup week had randomly yeah, come in yeah, yeah. so stuff like that I think could really help yeah yeah no it's really interesting um mm -hmm. and I think we've probably had quite a contrast from regions to Surrey the size of the what was the size of so how many teams were you looking after at Regents and then how was that compared to so I was looking after so at Regents I was I was like 
in charge of all the sports, so the social sport, participation sport, and competitive sport. But we only had five competitive sport teams. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at Surrey, we had like 46. Wow. So yeah, but that's but that's 46 clubs. So they're within the clubs, you've got like three or four teams. So that can't do the maths on top of my head, but that's like considerable amount more. Um, there were, yeah. And you've got a couple of big clubs, right? Yeah. Like uh, netball. Yeah, yeah. Netball do really well. Basketball, football. We had football. I think we had five men's teams, two women's teams. Um, obviously, the staff were bigger. I had a team at Surrey, yeah. whereas I only had just myself at Regents. Um, but yeah, the workload was considerably more, um, and the pay wasn't which is why it's kind of like interesting to talk about because it's like, um, yeah, the bucks are IA role, depending on what institution you're at might be respected differently. Um, you know, uh, budgets are budgets within university sport. I'm not blaming the management necessarily because they're only given a certain budget, but, um, yeah, university sport in general isn't well paid. So that's something, if any listeners are thinking about getting into it, you're not going to be a millionaire. (laughs) No, but I think, I think what it does is, um, give you a real insight into how sport is organised, mm. um, and I think that is something that is transferable. Mm-hmm. Whether that whether you come out of education and you go and do that, um, even if you was to t- take uh, a role on a committee of organising a local competition, yeah, or whether you go into business, mm-hmm. doing something in sport, uh, whether that be five aside or whether that be netball, like yeah. it is a really transferable skill. Oh yeah, like I've learned loads of skills and I don't regret it at all. Um, I think I'm a lot more resilient and knowledgeable because of it. Yeah. And hopefully, whatever my next job is, I'll look back and go like, "All oh, that stress was worth it." Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's the adrenaline every week. Like I used, yeah. I used to have to organise a games program on a Wednesday uh, for the football league trust futsal program, going back to like 2015, 16. Yeah. And like it was relentless. Like you get to a Wednesday game day, yeah. we'd have a national program we'd have north midlands southwest and then london yeah and um referees were good in some locations not so good in others mm. and it was like get to match day and everything would be sorted yeah. relax <laughs> and just you just have the problems of now and again a referee may or may not show mm-hmm. traffic mm-hmm. and then also you have the challenges around the incidents that would happen so yellow and red yeah. cards Right. Because you're in an education environment, like everything's a little bit more heightened. Yes. From a safeguarding and a DPS perspective, yeah. so like every I and T needs to be crossed. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Thursday, and you get this big like, ah, relax. Yeah. And then it's like, right, Friday, yeah. I'm going to get everything sorted yeah. before I get to. Well, I can I can relax for the weekend then. You know, <laughs> switch off have a moment, and you walk back into Monday morning. It's like the adrenaline's kicked in again. Yeah. And it's a part of me that I love the adrenaline. Like it, yeah. it fires you up. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, there's so much to be cracking on with. Yeah. But you can end up being a busy fool. Mm. Like you can end up on the same game five times. <laughs> because then one comes off, it yeah. comes on, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It's like that, that whole challenge yeah. was yeah. infuriating. Yeah. yeah. And you, I don't know if you felt the same, but like I, I like to pride myself on doing like a, like a good job of it. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. But because there's so many things to think about, you're human, mistakes would happen. And yeah. I would really beat myself up about it because I'm like, oh, sh- you know bugger i've booked the same ref for the same time or something yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah that was a challenge but i've learned a lot from it what do you say makes a really successful ia Ooh, it's successful. do you know what probably just someone who deals well to pressure i think um obviously there's the 
the fundamental skills of like organization, punctuality, da, 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 da. But I just think someone who can go, do you know what? I'm not going to, that's something I've learned is that I, like, I, I like to say I'm, I was quite organized. My communication was good. And I think the referees were happy. But um, for me, myself, to maybe longevity in that role is actually be like, do you know what? Done all I can. It's okay. Like, you've yeah, just yeah. got to relax now. <laughs> question i'll put you on the spot what is what was more important to you in the role keeping the referee happy if you could only choose one keep yeah. the referees happy yeah. or keep the clubs or teams happy what was more important the to clubs you in the clubs and the teams yeah because yeah. i had to deal with the students on a daily basis they knew where my office was <laughs> they would come in and um yeah like the referees i could ultimately just sweet talk them and be like oh, sorry steve like <laughs> didn't work out this week <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, we're there to service the game, right? As referees and as yeah. umpires. You know, yeah. No club, no game. You're not going to see a referee or an umpire on a call mm-hmm. with no players. Yeah. But that's oh, fascinating. Do you remember when Alan Dale from Suffolk said to us, to us once, so talking around no referees, no game? There's a, we were talking to it. He was a referee, he was in charge of referees up in Suffolk Cafe. Yeah. And he was saying, you talk about the saying of no referees, no game. And to some extent, I agree. Mm-hmm. But then he was going on to say that you see players playing on grass pitches, football pitches, whatever, without referees. Mm-hmm. You don't see referees running around <laughs> an empty pitch without a whistle and yeah. pretending that you're playing the game. That's so it's right. really interesting. Like, the game will always carry on. There will always be a game. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but that's probably where I got stressed out is because I was trying to please you guys and the clubs and actually you, you kind of can't like in an ideal world you can but yeah yeah well look it's been really interesting digging digging deeper into the um uh, into the role what, what i'd like to switch the conversation slightly into probably something just as topical and uh, controversial is what's currently booming i think mm-hmm. across the globe and that's women in sport mm-hmm. so what is your current outlook on what that looks like and what's your involvement in that yeah, so I'm I'm very passionate. I mean, I, I sometimes I feel like when people go, I'm a feminist, they're like, oh, feminist, da, da, da. But it's like, for me, it's just like anyone, I just want anyone to get involved in sport. I'm very passionate about sport. Like talking away from my professional life, like I'm just very sporty. I love sport. I've always been involved in it. Um, and obviously I'm a girl, so that's my, you know, personal interest there. Um, but women in sport in general it's got so much better like I'm 26 like I'm not like an old biddy but even in my years I've seen it really progress and um yeah like the things that they introduce little girls in school to today I didn't get introduced to that and I'm like it's really nice to see and yeah my next career path might be like teaching or something like that or personal training so I have more involvement in that side of things um but yeah I think it's evolving which is really nice to see yeah, it's fantastic. Like, and obviously, like when you get the success stories that you get in um, football with with the lionesses, mm-hmm. and then you also get like um, the netball super league, mm-hmm. like in the way that coverage is being promoted on mm-hmm. Sky, like it's really inviting. Yeah. And then you talk about um, the equal pay yeah. conversation, which mm-hmm. is. Oh, is that, is it the Freddie Matildas? I've yeah, probably offended lots of people. That's <laughs> I think I've heard the Matildas. They're getting equal pay to the men's. Yeah, they, they've been on quite a quest in a campaign to, to get that right. And they've put that in a, in a position now where I think they're on um, equal pay with the men. Oh, nice. um, so it's really encouraging to see. I mean, ultimately, that should be the case. 
mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. one's opinion, right? Yeah. I mean, it's viewership, isn't it? It comes back down to the question, you know, people who don't agree with equal pay in women's sports would be like, well, it's, you know, if people aren't viewing it, then they can't pay it. But that's where it needs to be. Well, we need to talk about it. We need to have these conversations so that more people are don't see it as like women and men's sport. It's just high level sport. That's an amazing level of play there. Let's just watch it regardless of what gender you are. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, 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 I agree. Gender shouldn't be part of the... Um, mm conversation insofar as like you shouldn't view anything differently yeah but but notwithstanding that it is interesting to see how everybody deals with it Mm -hmm. and also the cultures that are involved yeah because like in england alone the cultures across those different sports varies oh yeah like tremendously yeah and it's um it's exciting to see like what do you play a particular sport yeah so I, I've always swam throughout my life. That's been my main sport. Um, but I have just loved every sport. And um, I've, I've been quite lucky that like my parents were quite sporty. So they were always like very encouraging. Um, so primary school, I would do like all the sports. I did cricket, tennis, um, football, running, um, all things like that. And then as I went into secondary school, I just sort of stuck with swimming and then took up athletics so I did like javelin and shot put, um, things like that. And then when I went to Loughborough, I was like, oh my God, like all these facilities, what do I do? But it's very interesting because when you're at that age um, and you've sort of done a few sports, if you actually want to get good at something, you do really need to specialize. But um, I just never did. And <laughs> looking back, maybe I'm like, I wish I maybe had, because I think I would have loved to have been a professional athlete in something um, rather than working in sport. I would have loved to have maybe been an athlete. Um, but I just wanted to try everything. So my first year at uni, I did ultimate frisbee. Brilliant. That is a quality yeah, sport, by the way. I used to teach that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kid, uh, PGL, Kids Activity Centre. Yeah, we used to do ultimate frisbee all the time. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> it is and everyone would like take the mick out of you but I'm like try playing it it's really hard um so I did that and then in my second year I did water polo sort of mixed my swimming and javelin I guess and just did that really tough sport oh my god like if you guys ever played water polo no, I've played it but like casually whilst you've been away on holiday like, oh, yeah. nothing nothing competitive like yeah. Yeah. you'd probably drown it's really tough <laughs> so nothing. no no but but bringing it back to the topic of you know women in sport I think I maybe um I'm different in the sense that I was exposed to a lot of sport I had supportive parents um you know there was never a discussion of you're a girl don't try that but don't get me wrong there would be few comments throughout my time I remember if my PE teachers are watching this, they're going to be like, of course you brought this up. But I, <laughs> I'm the first girl that's ever played in my school, end of year, sixth form versus teachers football match. Wow. I, yeah, or I was the only girl. There might have been girls who have done it since I did it. I hope so, because I wanted to inspire some people. But it was always men. It was always men that played um, as the sixth formers and always teachers. And so I got into sixth form and then they started to talk about the match. It was quite a big thing at our school. And I was just like to my teachers, oh, I'm going to try it out. And he's a really nice guy. I'm not going to say his name, but one PE teacher said to me, he was like, no, no, no. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's, it's for men. And I was like, why? And then no one had ever questioned him. And he was just sort of like, oh, because, you know, you might you could get hurt and stuff. I'm five foot 11. Like, I'm taller than most of the boys <laughs> and bigger and you know, worked out more than most of the guys on the team. Um, and I'd played football before. My, my whole point was, look, if I'm rubbish at football, fair enough. Like, 
equal rights if someone's better than me fair enough but there were boys who were trialing out and I knew I was better at football than them so I pushed on through pushed on through and I wasn't selected for the team and I was like look fair enough if people are better than me um but then I saw the team selections and I was like I'm better than him I'm better than him better than him and like yeah so I really pushed for it and then some other PE teachers other members of staff it became a bit of a thing were like Ellie needs to play in this match like this is ridiculous um and then I wasn't given a kit that so initially I wasn't given any kit bought for me um and then on match day I turned up in my own football kit I didn't care I like turned up and a few really supportive guys on the team were like, no, Ellie, you need to play. And bless him, George Knights, if you're listening, he subbed me off and he was like, no, Ellie, come on and play. And I was like, thanks, George. And then I played. So, yeah, it was really good. Um, but there was, um, you know, deflection as to people weren't happy with it, like, because I was a girl. And that is, yeah, even that was only, I left school like eight years ago or so. So I'm like, that's not even that long ago. And there was still that much, do you know what I mean? But I think it has got better even since then. It's insane, isn't it? It, it is. But what's also really exciting is the sports officiating pathway for females mm. is also growing mm. and booming at, at a similar uh, level. And, it, and it's exciting because like, you know, uh, the more and more people that we see introducing um, the opportunity for male and female to go and officiate mm -hmm. is fantastic. Like they're going to, um, FIFA Futsal World Cup, will, there will be the first one for females in 2025. Like it will be the first nice. FIFA Futsal World Cup for women. Yeah. And it will be all female officials on, on officiating that tournament. Like, and that's just like fantastic. Yeah. The interesting question is, yeah. Should it be solely exclusive to females or should the opportunity be given to both? So this is an interesting topic. And I think it goes beyond sport, doesn't it? Because even some degrees are now offered to women free of charge in engineering and not men because they want more women in there. But then it's like, actually, is that a bit unfair? And that isn't equal. And so back to your question, no, I think men should be allowed in there as well. I don't think it should just be exclusive for women because then it's almost like, oh poor women like let's give them their own little bit because do you know what I mean so but that's maybe coming from me because I'm quite confident and I'm confident enough to go I don't care if you're a bloke I'm gonna go and do it yeah. but then it's like you might ask someone else who's maybe not as confident and they'll go actually no if you give me that space where it is just females that's where I can thrive right, yeah. so I think it it's opinionated but the challenge nowadays just with how society is right because mm. everybody wants to try and please everyone so mm. we do women's referee courses that's really great but actually if then they're free because we want more women's referee brilliant but actually we then the young males Jimmy, that can't afford to do a referee's course we don't put on a free referee's course for little jimmy who's from an underprivileged background or his yeah. parents just don't have 150 quid for a referee's course yeah. so great we get more women but little jimmy who's going to be just as good and just as good as the women referees female referees doesn't get the opportunity so yeah. I, I think i personally really struggle with it mm. because uh, well let's just make it 50 quid for everyone or let's make it 70 quid for everyone doesn't matter if you're black white woman male it doesn't matter yeah this is how much it is and we'll get everyone involved and if yeah. we've got bursaries we've got bursaries or we haven't yeah I, 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 think, I think it's really difficult yeah and i think the thing that is important is 
exposure so you do need to see more women doing things like this mm-hmm. because that will then spark an inspiration again as mentioned because I was always interested in the sport and always around it I didn't need that extra inspiration because I've just had sort of just enjoyed it whereas someone who could be amazing but isn't uh isn't seeing it then maybe that's where it would be good to see that just just women on their own because you yeah. think oh you can do that so I think you're right a lot of people do thrive in their own environment so you look at women's gym classes lots yeah. more women feel comfortable to go and do that because they don't think they're going to be judged they don't think whatever their stumbling blocks were going to the gym before the women's only class for an hour i've got to be with my own peer group i'm going to go great now they need to go mm-hmm. so it's really difficult to try and get that 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 judgment and that balance right mm-hmm. but you also might have a young male that's not confident to go to the gym with the big world of blokes lifting however much they're lifting yeah. and actually that might a women's only class might be really good for him yeah. because he feels more comfortable in that group exactly. but he probably couldn't go exactly. so then he now don't get to go to the gym yeah it's such so, so tough it's, it's so really, tough I think, you know, it's worth probably having a nice conversation about, you know, maybe our audience wants to um, drop in with some comments. The question for you, Ellie, I think, and you may have touched on it slightly, is do you you think women's sport has moved forward in the last, let's say, 10 years? Mm. And what else can be done on top of, you know, the campaigns that are going on? What's that's happened? Yeah, so definitely, I think, um, yeah, obviously, I am in the... I'm in the profession, I'm in the field, so I have seen it. But um, with regards to what can be done better to someone who's maybe not exposed to that, um, I think, you know, things like what you're doing, speaking about it more, having these, like, honest conversations. Um, I mean, there's loads of campaigns like This Girl Can and things like that that were launched. Um, They're really great for a just-getting-active level. Um, But I think, like, actually, how can you engage more people? you know money's a lot to do with it i think if if you can pay people like you two to go into schools and actually speak to young women and say that this is what's available i didn't have that in my school but i know that when i worked i worked at lansing college which is a private school they had the money to pay for guests to come in mm-hmm. and that's that's a whole different debate in itself the private school and state school sector because you know x amount of olympians a lot of them come from the private school sector, but it's only like 7% of the actual UK's population go to private schools. So that's very interesting. And it shows that money is a lot to do with it as well. But yeah, without money being the the main you know barrier there, I think it's just exposing young people to sport and what there is to offer. You know, I was in the park yesterday just working out on, you know, those out, outside. People actually use that. Yeah, because wow. I'm tight and I didn't want to pay for a gym membership. So yeah, they're good. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen anyone use them. Well, That's incredible. I know. And I We've got like, one on I've never seen anyone on it. Oh, get busy. No. Get busy because <laughs> That's I'm it. a little girl. And there you go. Because you go. I was doing some pull-ups. Oh, yeah, I was doing some pull-ups and she came over. She was like, Mum, I want to try a pull-up. And she couldn't do it, bless her. But she saw it and she wanted to try it. And that made my day. There you go. That is good. Great, yeah, yeah, lovely so, story. And, and, and a shout out to whoever's um, created that equipment outside, right? Yes. Because Barnet Council, I think. <laughs> we are going to do something new and different for season two of this podcast. So, audience, subscribers, listeners, let us know what you think. We're going to go for a quick fire round. Mm-hmm. Ellie, going to f- pose you some questions. We've got a small handful that we're going to send in your direction. They don't have to be as um, 
uh, directors, yes or no. Mm -hmm. So if you want to add a little bit of um, flavour to the, in terms of elongate it a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah. And um, for those of you listening, let us know what you think. Ben, have you got the first one talked up and ready to go? Uh, I have. I've got it written down because I can't have to remember that conversation flow. So I have to write it down too. Um, so, Ellie, what's your favourite sport to play or watch and why? Oh, my God. Dodgeball to play because I've got right throw on me and I absolutely just look at people and they can't say anything because it's like <laughs> the end of the game. Does it feel like you're letting something, like, <laughs> anger, yeah? Letting yeah. frustration <laughs> Yes. And then what was the second part? To what? To watch... Good question. Probably, probably rugby at the minute. Okay. Been enjoying you, you that. I've just started playing. Yeah, yeah Guildford Rugby Club. Um, thought I'd be good. Like I'm good at catching and throwing and like running, but I'm really scared of bumping into people. So I don't know if I'm going to be yeah, that good. Yeah. I mean, that could be a challenge. Yeah, I actually cried last week at training because someone stood on my ankle with their stud, which really did hurt. But I mean, the rugby studs are yeah. notoriously bigger. Yeah. yeah, so, but watching it's fun. <laughs> Got a second sport in case we don't work out. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe just swimming. Right. <laughs> Have you ever considered being a sports official? And if so, what sport? And if not, why not? We can even get that too. Yeah, fair enough. No, I haven't, honestly, because I've always enjoyed playing it. That's yeah. probably just because of personal, I'm very competitive. So if I'm umpiring it or refereeing it, I'm like, oh, boring, get me in there. So, but I have done a bit of netball umpiring. Um, didn't really like it that much, if no. I'm honest. So if I had to choose one, probably football. What did you not like about it? Um, netball in itself, so many rules. I always, whenever I play, I, I always foul. I always run with the ball I always do something wrong so as an umpire I'm like I'm the worst umpire because I don't follow the rules oh, myself yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't run but I can play 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 <laughs> don't bounce the ball but I can <laughs> so, no, I'd rather play than be an official <laughs> do you support a team? not really no no I just like all sports so I've never been at one I will just say England Great. Well, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a boy now. So no, no, because I think what's really exciting about that is you will probably go and watch the big events. Like you'll probably go to an American football event. You'll yeah. probably go to something at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Just nice this ball at the time. There you go. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. That, that consumer mindset is changing. Yeah. And I, and I think it's really interesting yeah. because you can actually make sport a show. Yeah. Now, you speak to people in that sport and they go, there's a fine balance between it being for the sport and it being a show. Yeah. Like take Formula One in Vegas, for example. There was a big debacle about whether that was, was it for the show of Vegas, Showtime yeah. baby, or was it for the sport, you know? Yeah. And those in the sport have got a different opinion to those outside of the sport, but everybody wants everyone to watch to grow the sport, right? Yeah. Big debate. Very That's a whole other podcast, boys. <laughs> was there a sport where they tried to do like the NFL type halftime routine? Did we try that in football? Well, I remember seeing something on telly. Do you actually... Was it rugby? Was it, I was at the Rugby Sevens this and they tried to do that. There's a little half-time show. Yeah. I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't like the NFL. They just couldn't... I mean, America's a lot bigger and they have a lot of money and more money in sport, don't they? So... But yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure I'd like that. Who knows? Okay, next question. Um, do you have a sporting hero or like a sporting icon that you really look up to? Do you know what? I was thinking about this in the car. I actually don't have anyone in mind, and I, I don't know. Yeah, if Williamson is a uh, national group system yeah. offering. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he could be the one. Goodness <laughs> sake! Jumpers, um, wow. but <laughs> yeah, no. I honestly, again, 
back to the original thing because I just love all sport. I've never really had one sporting idol. But if I could probably pick someone just because I had to do a research project on them at school, Hannah Cockcroft, she's a Paralympic uh, water athlete and she's a sprinter. And just reading her story was amazing. I find Paralympians really inspiring because, you know, they obviously have different odds to go against um, and they've still you know, made it into their sport. But um, yeah, Hannah Cockcroft, if she's listening, then yeah. we're going to get this to Hannah Cockcroft. Yeah. She is going to hear this. We're going to do that. What's the thing you love about sport the most? Oh, trying to get it to one point. The one thing I like, would you say? Um, probably just that release from your day-to-day stresses like I try and exercise most days just because it's like you know everyone's got life stresses and I think it gives you that hour two hours to just not think about that and that's probably why I've been so consistent with sport is because it's just for my mental health it's kept me like sane throughout the years if I've ever you know I struggled at uni initially just like moving away from home and it was all a lot but I just always knew I have sport to fall back on if I ever have a really stressful moment in time it's like that's that's probably why I enjoy it the most just to yeah keep me sane final question for you then Um, what is your biggest sporting achievement if you have one oh my god do you know what I got through to the fitness stage for the gladiator you know the BBC the gladiators Yeah. yeah they filmed it uh, a couple of months ago okay. I didn't make it onto the show I was gutted okay. but I'm going to try again next year yeah, yeah, but out of yeah. ten and a half applicants I got through I think ten and a half yeah half an applicant um, I think only like 120 people out of that got selected for the fitness trial stage oh, wow yeah and we had to go to Lee Valley Athletic Center and just a day of fitness testing it was like the most amazing thing I've ever done so cool. it was so cool but yeah maybe next year I'll try again and I'll get on the yeah, show that's <laughs> epic yeah yeah it's never bring the show back I used to love that there was that refereeing when his little spanky you were going my first whistle in his Scottish accent I remember that yeah it's coming out in January I think the show's going to be on your TVs we want to do a competition around can you remember the gladiators wolf yeah wolf was one god I'm too young I wasn't around was it was it John Anderson? No, when the referee. Uh, no, yeah. I think the, you could be Bob on there. Yeah, yeah, I think oh, it man. is. I don't know where I've plugged that <laughs> in, but he's popped into the end. If it's not now, I'm going to bring that up in the next episode. Yeah, 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 for sure. You will go on my first whistle. That's quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really bad accent. Really sorry. <laughs> Ellie, thanks for doing the uh, quick fire question round with us. Um, ho- hopefully, it was um, it was interesting. I hope our audience uh, liked it. Something a little bit. Uh, different. different. We're going to be doing that with everyone, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we might change the questions. Oh, I hope we do change the questions. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, but more importantly, it's been really interesting to understand uh, understanding more about like what your role has entailed, mm-hmm. what your outlook and your perspective on sports administration is, mm-hmm. uh, and also chatting about women in sport. You know, mm-hmm. because it is booming, mm-hmm. and there are still lots of controversial things going on but i think everything is going in the the right direction yeah. it definitely is and i think the more that we can talk mm-hmm. about it i think there are various things that will improve like you know uh, just doing stuff like you going into the park and doing pillows yeah. uh, you inspire someone to just want to get involved yeah. and i think it's like the crux of everything if you can see it yeah. You give people that to yeah. believe that they want yeah. to do it. Yeah, it's not just me that can do it, like anyone can do it. So, yeah, yeah 
you got any final words or anything you want to plug to the camera for our audience? Final words to the camera. I'd just say probably two things. If you're someone thinking about working in sport, um, go for it. It can be really fun. The teammates that you work with, the people you'll meet will be, you know, hopefully like-minded. Um, and then with regards to if you're just someone, not even just a young girl, just a young guy wanting to get involved in sport, just just go on Google, check out local initiatives in your area and just give something a go and take, try your best to take away that embarrassed feeling where you probably will have, but do you know what? It's totally worth it. If you get over that little bit of like, oh, this is cringe. When I signed up to Gladiators, people were like, Ellie, this is so cringe. But I'm so glad I did it. It was the most yeah. amazing experience. So yeah, if you're watching and you want to try anything, just go for it. Don't care what people say, just do it. Love that. Ellie, thank you very much for driving a couple of hours to come and see us. Thank you for your energy and drive in the podcast. We've really appreciated it. And just understanding a little bit more about your, your background. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you all. And don't forget to subscribe.